to an episode of Fresh Off the Bench. I am your co-host, Izzy Sai. I am not joined by Mackis Dinsmore and Scott Flanagan today. Mackis is currently preparing for his first college football game at Dean College this Friday night against Fritchburg State. And Sky Flanagan is currently serving our country right now in the military. So I'm just going to hold it down for today. Uh, with a variety of topics, a lot of stuff to talk about. We got football, we got basketball. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to get into, but let's just start in the NFL world. We are officially nine days away from kickoff between the Bills and the Rams on Thursday Night Football on NBC. Um, the preseason just wrapped up this past week, and I just wanted to talk and, you know, just recap it a little bit. Just some teams that impressed me, some teams that didn't impress me, or this, just headlines in general. But I want to start with the 49ers. They restructured Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, and he will be Trey Lance's backup this season. Uh, all this talk about Jimmy G not being the guy anymore and how they, the Niners were looking to trade him after their NFC Championship game appearance against the Rams. Um, they could not find a trade partner from March until now. A number of quarterback vacancies were filled. Um, so the Niners basically had no choice but to bring him back on a reduced deal, and he will start joining the team in meetings, and he will fully prepare to be Trey Lance's backup this season. Look, there are two ways to look at this. Either you can think of it as the Niners just wanting to have quality insurance in case, God forbid, something were to happen to Lance, or this can show how little confidence they actually have in Trey Lance. I think that is the case. Look, if they thought that Trey Lance was the unquestioned guy, no questions asked, and he had a stellar camp, stellar preseason, and he left no question marks about his game, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would have been released yesterday or today. If, they, if this organization was completely confident in Trey Lance's abilities, considering the boatload of assets they had to give up just to get him in the draft in 2021, then Jimmy Garoppolo would be out the door and he would be a free agent today. But considering the fact that they were willing to mend the fences, they were willing to reduce his deal, they were willing to add a no-trade clause to his contract for this year, it's a one-year deal, then – I think it just shows that the Niners are not that confident, not that confident in Trey Lance. And if he starts to struggle early, they might just turn the ball back right, right back to Garoppolo and, you know, try and, you know, tell him, Hey, you know, we need you, we need you to lead this team. I mean, I, I think it's a really, really interesting development. And I don't think enough people are talking about that side of it by bringing, by the Niners bringing uh, Garoppolo back because maybe if Trey Lance doesn't show enough, maybe he's not the guy anymore. Maybe the Niners want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for the near future and then draft maybe another quarterback next year. Who knows? Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. I was shocked by the move. I thought the Niners were just going to take the cap space. It was going to be $25 million worth of cap space that they were going to gain if they cut Garoppolo yesterday. Uh, they didn't end up doing it. 
Um, they restructured his deal so they could regain some cap space, of course. But, I mean, there were just so many factors in their favor for cutting Garoppolo. I mean, it would save $25 million, uh, Then, you know, it would just be cap space that they could use to fill up the roster. But, I mean, I think it just shows how not confident they are in Trey Lance. And if he doesn't show the Niners something within the first few weeks, if he can't show that he can be the guy for this offense, I think – I think the Niners are going to go right back to Garoppolo sooner than people think. So that's just the first team that I wanted to hit. Second team I want to hit was the Cleveland Browns. They looked very uninspiring in their last preseason game against the Chicago Bears. They treated it sort of as their dress rehearsal. Jacoby Brissett got the starting nod. He will be the starting QB for the Browns for the first 11 games of the season, as Deshaun Watson will be serving his 11-game suspension. Um, look, Brissett looked rattled against a very mediocre Bears defense. I mean, you know, obviously it's the preseason. You can't really read too much into it. But, I mean, I am I would be concerned if I were the Cleveland Browns. And I'm surprised they didn't go after a guy like Garoppolo. I really – I mean, Garoppolo is much better than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, you can say what you want about Brissett. I, he's an average, very average quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is much better than him. Von the Browns, that would definitely would have taken a flyer on Garoppolo, and I think they would have been better off with him for the first eleven games instead of Brissett, um, especially considering that they're in a very very tough division featuring the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Steelers. So I definitely would have considered getting Garoppolo instead of Brissett, especially considering that Brissett hasn't really shown me anything in camp or in the pre in the one preseason game that he played. He hasn't really showed me inspiring football. Um, whereas Garoppolo, I mean. I don't know really how he does it because he has nothing that really jumps off jumps off the page like when it comes to intangibles and talent. But the guy knows how to win football games. I can't say the same about Jacoby Brissett. Um, and that's something that the Browns should covet of winning quarterback. And Brissett is unfortunately not going to give them that. I do think the Browns are going to miss the playoffs this year. Um, you know, even even if Watson comes back to have the best six games of his life. I, I really don't see, I really don't see the Browns making much noise this year with Brissett at QB for the majority of it. So I really don't think that the Browns made the right decision by not going after Garoppolo, but Hey, you know, if they want to be mute, mediocre, that's on them. Same old Browns. Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, next team I want to hit the Seattle Seahawks. Drew Locke had probably one of the worst preseason performances I've, I've, I've ever seen. Um, he threw three interceptions, one touchdown. Uh, he was he did not play inspiring football against the Cowboys, forcing throws that weren't there. It felt like he was trying to do too much uh, so he could try and gain ground on, on Geno Smith and try to get the starting job. But Locke was so bad that after the game, Pete Carroll went right to the podium and named Geno Smith the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Week one against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Um you know, this is the second quarterback competition that Drew Locke has lost in the past two years. Uh, he lost to Jetty Bridgewater last summer, of course, when he was still in Denver, and he lost to Geno Smith here. Uh, Geno Smith, I I wouldn't say he did he did anything to win the job, but I did I he didn't do anything to lose the job at the same time. He's serviceable at best. Uh, you know what you're going to get with Gino, uh, game manager type, hand the ball off, maybe hear the ball 20, 25 times if you want him to. Um, he filled, he was okay when he filled in for us last year. Uh, now I guess we're going to see it in the full 17-game sample size, if he even makes it that far. But uh, Carroll made the right decision for the time being. I mean, Locke just got to Seattle, just learning the system. 
Uh, he missed a week with COVID, so obviously that hurt him a lot. And then in the preseason game, you know, he was trying to force things. Obviously, Locke is more dynamic, in my opinion, has a stronger arm, and he's willing to take more risks. But his up and down play is, you know, just it's just too risky to them, you know, make him a starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. So I get the decision in uh, making Geno Smith the starter, um, you know, but the Seahawks, they're trying to lose games this year, trying to tank. Um, you know, it was evident they got rid of Russell Wilson. They got rid of Bobby Wagner. So, I mean, now it's just about, you know, trying to tank for next year. Maybe they find their franchise quarterback, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis. Those guys are the top guys in next year's class. So uh, we'll see how it goes in Seattle this year, but Geno Smith is the starter there. And the last team that I want to hit is the Bears. Now, I will say, I like up, up until maybe a couple weeks ago, I thought that the Bears would be the worst team in the league. I really did. Um, you know, I, the the roster wasn't really that talented. Uh, you know, they lost Allen Robinson, which is a huge blow. They they don't really have much at receiver outside of Darnell Mooney. Um, but I mean, Justin Fields. I I again, I get it's preseason. You know, you can't really put too much stock into it. But he looked great against the Browns in the preseason finale. He, he was 14 of 16 passing, three touchdowns in the first half, uh, 156 yards. He looked calm, cool, and collected. His throws had zip. He was putting them into tight windows. Um, I mean, he looked really, really good. I mean, yeah, they 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 only have Darnell Mooney at receiver. He's their only proven option, but they drafted Villas Jones, who has a lot of speed. He's a 25-year-old rookie. But, uh, you know, I think he can produce for them year one in that wide receiver two role. They still have Cole Komet at tight end. I mean, it really sucks that this guy last year had the worst touchdown luck. But I think this year he's due for some positive regression, especially with no Jimmy Graham there anymore. It's Komet's job at tight end. So I think he'll take a step forward. They still have David Montgomery. They have Khalil Herbert as well, who filled in admirably for Montgomery last year if they want that one-two punch. Uh, the offensive line still a little shaky, but I think the Bears are going to be better than people think. Um, I think that they're going to be – I mean, I still think that they'll probably finish last in the NFC North, but in terms of being the one of the three, five worst teams in the NFL, I don't think that'll be the case. I think Fields is going to take a step. I could definitely see the Bears winning at least six games this year. Um, I really I really do like Fields. I really do think he'll take a step. Um you know, they have a couple winnable, winnable games too early. They got the Texans. They got the Giants. Uh, Patriots are not looking too great, so maybe they can get upset there. They got the Falcons, Jets, Lions twice. I mean, I I, I really do think that the Bears can win six games this year. Um, you know, and then maybe next offseason they can add even more talent around Fields. But I think, I think Fields is going to be better than people think, and I think the Bears are going to be a little better than what people think. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team at all. I don't think that, and I don't truly believe that at all, but I do think they could go 6 and 11, 7 and 10. I think that's in the realm of possibility. So um, that's enough of NFL preseason. Now let's talk about the real thing. Thursday night football next week, Bills, Rams, probably one of the best ways to open up the season with a potential Super Bowl preview. You have Josh Allen on one side, Matthew Stafford and the defending champion Rams on the other. The Bills were in my opinion, um, 13 seconds away from going to the Super Bowl last year. I do think they would have beaten the Bengals in the AFC Championship game um, if they got there. But 
Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, they added to their defense in the offseason. They got Von Miller. Trey White is back at corner. They still have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde at safety. And then on offense, you obviously have Allen, and you still have Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis really emerged in the playoffs last year. You have Dawson Knox as well. Uh, as for the Rams, they returned mostly the same nucleus with some new faces as well. They added Bobby Wagner in the offseason. OBJ is gone. They still have Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, fortifying the defense. And on offense, obviously, you have Stafford. You have Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson at running back. And at receiver, you have one of the best guys in the league, Cooper Cup. And Allen Robinson as well in the wide receiver two role. Uh, Allen Robinson finally having a good quarterback, so we'll see how he does in L.A. But, uh, you know, this is a really explosive matchup right out of the gate. Uh, I do think the Bills will be in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I think the Rams can get there as well. I think I think those are two Super Bowl caliber teams, and it's a great way to open up week one. Um, as for my game pick, I think the Rams are going to take it. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Uh, they're at home. I think they're going to be fired up. You know, obviously, first game of the season, raising that banner um, in front of a sold-out home crowd, I'm assuming. Um, you know, not to say that the Bills, you know, aren't a good team or anything. They're, in my opinion, they're the best team in the AFC. But I think just coming out of the gate, the Rams are going to have a little more juice, um, going to be a little more fired up, especially considering that people they, they haven't been really talking about the Rams this offseason. You know, it's been all about in the NFC, Tom Brady coming back or Aaron Rodgers signing that extension with the Packers and obviously Dallas Cowboys. Um, but I feel like the Rams, they, you know, they're, they're motivated and they're ready to defend their title uh, and, you know, try to get back to the Super Bowl this year. I think they'll take game one. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a great way to open up the season. And I'm really, I'm just really excited for football, man. I think this is going to be one of the best seasons ever. Uh, last year, it, last year was a great season. I think this year is going to be even better. And then other games on the schedule, Eagles, Lions, my game pick, obviously there is going to be the Eagles. They just got Chauncey Gardner Johnson today for almost nothing. He's one of the better safeties in the league. They cut Anthony Harris and Anthony Harris hasn't really been the same since that one year in Minnesota. So Getting Gardner Johnson is a huge upgrade for them. Obviously, they got A.J. Brown in the offseason, so they have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith at receiver, and, of course, Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I think I think the Eagles are going to have a big game here, and I think they'll beat the Lions week one. Niners-Bears, I'm going to take the Niners here in a close one. Like I said, I, thought the, I think the Bears are going to be a lot better than people think, and I think they're going to give the Niners a run for their money week one, especially at home, but I think the Niners are going to squeak it out here. Um, I think Trey Lance has a pretty good debut. Um, I, I think he shuts up the critics, shuts up the haters, um, and, you know, makes the Niners, you know, rethink bringing Garoppolo back. So as insurance. So I think the Niners will move one. Steelers, Bengals, easy pick here. I got the Bengals. Uh, Steelers naming Mitchell Trubisky their starting quarterback. I don't know if it was the right decision, but I mean, I guess for now he can, I, I guess for now Pickett isn't really, Kenny Pickett isn't really ready. Um, I would have named Pickett to start a right out of the gate because, I mean, I don't think I think he's better than Mitchell Trubisky, and I think he has more upside than Mitchell Trubisky, and I think a rookie learns better by playing. So uh, I, I think Pickett should should have been the starter, but I think the Bengals are going to take it here. They still have – they're returning the same team that went to the Super Bowl last year pretty much. Um, offensive line is a lot better now. They signed Lyle Collins in the offseason. Joe Burrow will be back alongside Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, the whole deal. Uh, I think they cruise to an easy victory week one against the Steelers. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins. I'm going to go Dolphins here. Uh, a lot of reports coming out of Patriots camp that the offense has been struggling a lot, which is no surprise, especially considering when you have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as your top offensive coaches, um, guys who are not really the most 
innovative offensive minds, especially Joe Judge. I mean, QB sneaking from like five yard line. Are you kidding me? But um, yeah. And then reports looking at uh, reports coming out that Mac Jones hasn't really looked that great either. Uh, Dolphins the offseason, adding Tyreek Hill alongside Jalen Waddle, signing Chase Edmonds uh, and Raheem Mostert. You still have Tua there. I think Tua is going to take a huge step this year. I think he's going to prove to people that he can be a star quarterback in this league. And, I, you know, I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, and I think he's going to start it off right week one. I think the Dolphins' speed is going to be too much for the Patriots to handle. Uh, Browns-Panthers, the ultimate revenge game for Baker Mayfield facing his former team. Uh, I got the Panthers here. Uh I think Baker's going to have a great revenge game. I think he's going to have that added extra motivation. You know, the Browns didn't want him. They labeled him as a child at QB. They wanted him an adult, and they went out and got Deshaun Watson. But, okay, I guess that really makes sense, right? Um, I think Baker's going to be motivated to light his old team up. Um, and the Browns, like I said, I'm not really thrilled with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I think they're going to lean on the run game, but teams are going to know that, and the box is going to be stacked. I don't know if Nick Chubb can have a lot of room to run, um, especially against a stout Panthers front featuring Derek Brown. So I think the Panthers are going to take take this one here, and the Browns are going to start 0-1. Colts-Texans, easy one here. I got the Colts. I mean, two words, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, second-best running back in the NFL. The upgraded at quarterback, they got Matt Ryan. Michael Pittman's still there. Uh, defense, you have Darius Leonard, you have Kenny Moore. Um, Texans are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. I mean, uh, Davis Mills at QB, maybe he could show us something. Who knows? But the Texans roster is really not all that inspiring. I think the Colts are going to cruise to an easy week one victory. And I, and just piggybacking off of that, I think the AFC South is going to be one of the one of the worst divisions in the NFL this year. Uh, you have the Colts. Titans are a little iffy. I don't know how they're going to do with no A.J. Brown. I think the Colts are going to win that division, but, you know, I think they're going to feast on teams like the Texans this year. So I got the Colts. Uh, Saints-Falcons, easy one here as well. I got the Saints. Uh, Jameis Winston coming back from his torn ACL last season. Uh, where he The Saints were 5-2 and two when before he went down. Uh, obviously struggled at the end there, but now that he's back and healthy with featuring an offense that has Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, hopefully he comes back from his hamstring injury, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry. Now all of a sudden New Orleans has a bevy of weapons that they that Winston can look to when he's in trouble. Uh defense is stout as always. You have Cam Jordan, you have Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore. They did get rid of Chauncey Gardner Johnson today because they couldn't sign him to an extension, but that the depth on that team is just incredible. So I think the Saints will be fine. As for the Falcons, Marcus Mariota at quarterback, they downgraded from Matt Ryan. He did get Drake London in the draft. You still have Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson, uh, A.J. Terrell on defense. Um, I think the defense for the Falcons is going to be another weak spot this year. Um, and the offense, I don't. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble putting up points, especially with Mariota at quarterback. He hasn't played in almost three years. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be a tough, tough, tough season in Atlanta for Arthur Smith. Uh, so I got the Saints here in an easy one. Uh, another easy game here, Ravens-Jets. I got the Ravens. Um, I just want to do a quick tidbit about Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be an MVP candidate this year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the award again. Here's why. This guy, Lamar Jackson is the most disrespected player in the NFL. Oh, he he's just a running back. Oh, he can't throw. He can't do this. He can't do that. I mean, the guy is, is increases in completion percentage every single year since he comes to the league. Uh, obviously, I mean, last year he had the Ravens as the number one seed before he got hurt. They were eight and three cruising, and then he got hurt against the Browns, sprained his ankle, and he was out the last six games. And guess what? 
The Ravens lost all games after that because he was hurt. He was that important to that team. Um, and, you know, now he's back. Now he's healthy. He's put on some muscle this offseason. He still doesn't have a contract extension for the Ravens, which is blowing my mind. Uh, I don't know what the holdup is there. They have, the reports have been very, very unclear on that. But I think that Lamar Jackson can have one of the best contract years ever for an NFL player. Uh, I, I'm thinking like Aaron Judge this year for the Yankees, hitting 50 home runs. I think Lamar Jackson can have a season like that, and he's going to start it off with a big game against the New York Jets. As for the Jets, we don't know who's going to start at quarterback. Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, who knows? Uh, Wilson's recovering from a um, little knee surgery that he had for on his meniscus. So we'll see if he's the starter. Even if he is, I think the Ravens are going to feast on the Jets. Uh, they're just that much better than them. So we'll definitely see what happens there. Uh, Jaguars, Commanders. Um, I got the Commanders here. Um, obviously, with the Commanders, sad news coming out yesterday that Brian Robinson was shot in the leg. Uh, he will make a full recovery, though. Non-life-threatening injuries. We don't know when he will be back, but it's good to see that he's okay. Um, as for the commanders, upgrading at quarterback, getting Carson Wentz from the Colts. Um, obviously, Wentz, you don't know what you're going to get with him. You don't know if he's going to be good. You don't know if he's going to be bad. He's really, really up and down. So we'll definitely see how that goes. Um, so I got so I got the commanders here. Jaguars in the offseason went on that spending spree. They got Christian Kirk. Uh, you, you know, as their number one receiver, Trevor Lawrence is back along with Travis Etienne in the backfield. Um, still have Marvin Jones there on offense. Um, defense drafted Devin Lloyd. Uh, so we'll we'll see how the Jaguars do. I think the Jaguars are going to be a little better this year. Uh, but I don't think they're going to beat the Commanders week one, especially since the Commanders will be at home. So I would think the Commanders take that one. And for the four twenty five games, Packers Vikings. Um. Here, I got the Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVP. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, no Devontae Adams anymore in Green Bay. You have guys like Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson at receiver. Um, but I think Rodgers will be fine. He's, he always figured out, figures out a way. Um, and it's not like those guys are terrible anyway. I mean, they, they, they can definitely get the job done. It's obviously going to be a lot more up and down than Devontae Adams. But – I think they're good enough for the Packers to have some success this year. Um, I think the Packers are going to lean on the run game more than ever this year. You have two horses back there. You have Aaron Jones. You have A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon's massive. And last year, he t- really took a step. I think I think, I think. think it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Packers can have two 1,000-yard rushers this year. Um, and just a little sneak peek for my fantasy preview later. I mean, getting A.J. Dillon, I mean, that will be huge, huge cap for your fantasy team. Not going to get too much into that, but I'll talk about more about that later. But I think they're going to lean on the run game a lot more. And that is a weak weakness of the Vikings defense, who was really, really not good against the run last year. Uh, Vikings' new coach, Kevin O'Connell, coming in from the Rams. Uh, they're shifting from a run first to a pass first offense. So we'll see how Kirk Cousins does in that. Uh, Justin Jefferson really expresses excitement for that offense. I think he's really going to blow up this year uh, and really assert himself as maybe even the best receiver in the league. Um, supplanting Adams. I don't I, I think Adams is better as of right now, but I think Justin Jefferson could have an even better year than he did last year and the year before. So I think it'll be tough week one against Jair Alexander, but I think the Vikings the Vikings are always going to be middle of the pack, you know, win eight to nine games. So we'll see how they do, but I think they'll lose week one against the Packers. Giants, Titans, easy one here. I got the Titans. Um Derrick Henry back from injury, back healthy and whole. Uh, you still have Ryan Tannehill. You got Robert Woods in the offseason, drafted Traylon Burks. Uh, still have Kevin Byard on defense, um, Jeffrey Simmons as well. Um, 
they the Giants, I mean, they're just the Giants. I mean, they preseason really, really didn't really show me that much to think that this year would be any different. Uh, Kenny Galladay being a disappointment once again throughout camp. I mean, he played in the preseason finale when most of the starters sat, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, Giants get back Saquon Barkley healthy uh, and whole this year, ready to blow up. I think Saquon's going to bounce back, especially in a better offensive system with Brian Dable. Um, and Daniel Jones, I, this is a make or break year for him. I And, you know, he's going to have to start off on the right foot week one, but I don't think that'll result in a win. So we'll definitely see. But I got the Titans here. Uh, Raiders, Chargers, two AFC heavyweights, two AFC West heavyweights, I should add, because that division is the toughest in football. Uh, I got the Chargers here. Uh, the Chargers were one game away from going to the playoffs last year. The Raiders obviously beat them in that Sunday night thriller where if either of them tied, both of them would have went in. But obviously, Brandon Staley, being as stupid as he is, called that timeout. But I think the Chargers will be out for revenge. I think they will beat the Raiders week one. Uh, they added J.C. Jackson. They added Khalil Mack in the offseason. Uh, they fixed their run defense issues by getting Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, you know, Kenneth Murray still there as well on offense. You have Justin Herbert, I mean, one of the best QBs in the NFL. You have Austin Eckler, who was really asserted himself last year. He's one of the better running backs in the NFL. He had 20 touchdowns. I think he's going to be an end zone machine again this year. Uh, and you still have Keenan Allen, one of the most consistent guys that you can have at the receiver position. And you have Mike Williams as well, who really took a step last year. So I think the Chargers are going to pick up right where they left off. Um, as for the Raiders, I think it's going to be a tough week one for them. I, you know, they added Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league. You still have Darren Waller. You have Hunter Renfro. New coach and Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr as well, uh, who was really good last year, even with a lack of weaponry. And now he has two of the best, three of the best weapons in the league in Adams, Waller, and Renfro. So we'll see how he does. But I think the Chargers take week one from the Raiders. Uh, Chiefs Cardinals next up on the docket. Uh, I got the Chiefs here. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be out for revenge this year. I mean, he. He really laid an egg in the second half of the AFC Championship game. He had his lowest QB rating of his career last year. Um, he's heard all the criticism. He's heard all the noise. Tyreek Hill leaving the offseason, uh, getting traded to Miami. So we'll see how Mahomes does. But they still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Nicole Hardman, who took a step. He drafted Sky Moore, who I think is really dynamic and can really add a lot to this offense. So we'll see how he does. Um, you have Clyde Edwards-Elair, Ronald Jones, um, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, in the backfield. So we'll see how I think the run game is going to be an X factor for the Chiefs this year. If they can be able to run the ball better than they did last year, I think that adds an element to this offense. And I think Andy Reid will look to establish that this year. As for the Cardinals, they paid Kyler Murray with that new hefty contract, $230 million, $160 million guaranteed. Uh, they got him a new toy as well, trading for Marquise Brown, his former college teammate. Brown's going to be playing a huge role, and I'll talk about more about him later. He's going to be playing a huge role with Hopkins being out for the first six games. Um, you know, the Cardinals, you don't know what you're going to get with them. Uh, you know, last year, they obviously had that blistering start going eight and oh, and then they really faded down the stretch, lost in the wild card round to the Rams. So we really don't know what version of the Cardinals we're going to get this year. You still have JJ Watt on defense. Obviously I have all the names that I mentioned on offense, Cliff Kingsbury still is your head coach. So I think this is a make or break year in Arizona. Um, we'll see if they put it together, but I don't think it'll be week one. I think they get off on the wrong foot. Uh, Sunday night football this week. Uh, sorry, next week, uh, September 11th. Uh, Buccaneers and Cowboys. Uh, I got the Bucks here. Um, Brady coming back after retiring for what seemed like two seconds. Um, 
he missed 11 days in training camp, but now he's back and practicing with the team. He played in the preseason finale. Um, I think offensive line, I mean, well, not I think. Offensive line is an issue for the Buccaneers right now. They lost three of their line, key linemen. Um, and, of course, uh, losing Ali Marpet in the offseason to retirement. Ryan Jensen's going to start the season on IR. Um, you lose Alex Kappa to the Bengals. So we'll see how that turns out. But Brady's Brady, man. You still have you still have Mike Evans. You still have Chris Godwin who's coming back from injury. Uh, you have Leonard Fournette in the backfield. You signed Julio Jones in the offseason on defense. You still have Levante David and Devin White, two of the best linebackers in the NFL. Um, you know, you still have Vitavia. You know, they they still have a really talented roster. I think they're gonna beat the Cowboys in week one. Um, and as for Dallas, uh, you still have Dak, Zeke. Um, C.D. Lamb, same crew on offense, defense. You have Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, yeah, I think Diggs is really going to take a step back this year. I mean, obviously he had that great year last year with 11 interceptions. I don't think he's going to get even half of that number this year. I think Trayvon Diggs probably, I think, week one, especially with the assignment that he's going to get, Mike Evans. I really do think that he's going to get exposed. And I really, I Trayvon Diggs, I'm rooting for him. I really hope he becomes just that shutdown corner and, you know, doesn't give up as many yards. Uh, but I, I think without those interceptions, it's going to be a tough, tough year for him, and it's going to start week one. So I got the Buccaneers in a close one. And for the last game of the week, Monday Night Football, Broncos, Seahawks, Russell Wilson coming back to Seattle after spending the first 11 years of his career there. Uh, I got the Broncos. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that close either. Um, Denver, the talk about them has always been they're a quarterback away. They're a quarterback away. We've been saying this about this team for at least three, four years now. And last year it felt like it was actually true. They were seven and six, and then mediocre quarterback play down the stretch is what really, really hurt them. Um, you know, now they got Russell Wilson, who's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And he doesn't, and it's not like he has a lack of weaponry here. He has Courtney Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Javante Williams, and Melvin Gordon in the backfield as well. Uh, on defense, Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan, uh, Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb. Um, you know, you still have a really, really good team uh, around Russ. And, you know, I think I think this is the year Denver puts it together. You have a new head coach in Daniel Hackett who's really inserted some juice into this team, some much-needed juice that Vic Fangio could not provide. So I think Denver is going to get off to the right start here, off the right, off on the right foot. I think they're going to beat the Seahawks week one. And as for Seattle, you still have DK Metcalf. You still have Tyler Lockett. Rashad Penny really took a step last year as well, but it comes down to the quarterback play. Geno Smith is really, really, really mediocre. Uh, and they named him the starter just a couple of days ago. So I think it's going to be a rough week one for Seattle and their offensive line. Young, really inexperienced. They got Charles Cross, Charles Cross in the draft. Uh, you still have Jamal Adams on defense, but, you know, they were one of the worst defenses against the past last year. I don't think that's going to change this year. Uh, I think it's going to be a rough season in Seattle, and it's going to start week one for for them against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson coming back, lighting up his former team. Um, I'm going to take a short break, and then I'm going to come back with some NBA talk, and we'll continue the show from here. Uh, this is Fresh Off the Bench. Welcome back to Fresh Off the Bench. Uh, back from the short break. I'm just let's just get into some NBA talk. Um, 
Before I get into Kevin Durant, uh, there was some big news yesterday involving the New York Knicks. I uh, know, Knicks fans, it was not a trade for Donovan Mitchell, so keep wishing for that. Uh, R.J. Barrett signing a rookie extension with New York Knicks yesterday. Uh, four years, $120 million. Uh, Well-deserved, in my opinion, the Knicks locking up uh, franchise cornerstone. Um, and they did sign Jalen Brunson earlier this offseason. So locking up RJ and Jalen Brunson for the near future, that's definitely a great move on the Knicks' part. Uh, RJ took a step last year. His efficiency was down a little bit, but he was asked to do more on offense. He upped his scoring from 17 points a game to 20. Uh, his rebounds and assists stayed exactly the same, but you know you could just tell that RJ was taking steps in the right direction last season. Uh, especially towards the end, uh, he was doing a lot more, um, you know, and I think his efficiency, I think that's something that can be fixed uh, because last year he was basically the number one option because Julius Randle fell off a complete kick, a complete cliff, uh, and they did not have that dynamic point guard. Now they have that in Jalen Brunson, so that's going to take the load off RJ a lot more. Uh, I think this is a great move for them. Uh, this is the first first-round pick that the Knicks have extended since Charlie Ward way back in the 90s. Uh, you know, RJ is obviously a good one. They drafted him high, uh, in 2019. Uh, I think RJ, I think he can be, I can think he could be a star and, you know, he really showed something last year. He, I think he could be an all-star this year if he continues to take steps in the right direction with development and his intense work ethic, as we all know. So great move for the Knicks. Um, but it was just a weird thing because I saw the report. Uh, and apparently the Knicks gave the Jazz a deadline of, and that deadline was yesterday, trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, it was either do that or extend R.J. Barrett, and that complicates the Knicks' pursuit now of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, cap space being one thing, uh, using it to sign R.J. Um, does it mean that they're going to include R.J. in the Donovan Mitchell trade package? Reports indicate that they're not willing to, so I don't think that will happen. Uh, so we'll see how this turns out. We'll see how this plays out. But um, if they want to create that cap space for Mitchell, it'll start by moving guys like Evan Fournier or Julius Randle, as I mentioned before. Uh, as for Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz, I mean, look, it looks like they're headed for a divorce, uh, and rightfully so. The Jazz, they tried the Mitchell-Gobert pairing for years, and the best they could do was a second-round appearance. So, I mean, it was really never worth it extending them and keeping them and trying to be, you know, the fourth or third seed and just losing in the second round every year. And this year they lost in the first round. And I mean, surprise, surprise, who saw that coming, right? Um, Just kidding. I saw that coming. Um, They traded Gobert early this offseason for 65 first round picks from the Minnesota Timberwolves and like 15 players. So they expect a similar trade package for Mitchell, uh, and they might get it. Uh, they might get it either from the Knicks, maybe a team like Miami. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Mitchell. But the Jazz have are aggressively trying to trade him. They want to trade him before training camp starts next month. Um, and I think that's the right move because you don't want that hoopla. You don't want that you know that lingering cloud over your head. Uh, and the Jazz, look, it's time to rebuild. It's time to trade guys like Jordan Clarkson. It's time to trade guys like Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, they traded Royce O'Neal and Gobert, as I mentioned before. Mike Conley should be gone as well. Um, you know, and Mitchell's just the next piece in the puzzle that's going to be gone. So um, I think the Jazz should just try and get the best deal that they can and get rid of Mitchell. So. Because it was never going to work out with him and Gobert. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. But...
Obviously, the big news in the NBA from this past week, Kevin Durant, after requesting a trade on June 30th to, to get out of Brooklyn, um, is going to be staying in Brooklyn for this upcoming season. Uh, Kevin Durant basically gave the Nets an ultimatum, either trade him or they fire Sean Marks and Steve Nash, which makes zero sense to me because, A, Kevin Durant wanted Steve Nash to be his head coach when he first got there, and then now he doesn't want him anymore. This is your hand-picked, co- hand-picked coach, dude. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, and now, you, now all of a sudden you don't want him? Uh, come on, man. You can't be that, – that, that's a little deep, deep-ish to me. That's the first thing. Secondly, Sean Marks is one of the better GMs in the NBA. I mean, this this guy took a team that basically gave up all of their future assets to get an old Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry from the Boston Celtics. And he basically made this team into a playoff team in a matter of a couple of years. The 2019 Nets were one of the most exciting teams to watch. You had D'Lo, you had Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, I mean, Jared Dudley and his antics against the Sixers. Karis LeVert. I mean, you had a lot of young stars, and those stars were found by Sean Marks. Sean Marks built this team. He brought James Harden, even though it didn't work out. He brought in Kyrie. He brought in you, Kevin Durant. He got Ben Simmons in that trade with, with the Sixers. Um, Sean Marks is a good GM, and I really don't understand why Kevin Durant want, hit, wanted him fired. Uh, and Joe Sy, shout out to him, the owner of the Nets. Uh, usually when superstars are Kevin Durant's magnitude, I mean, for example, James Harden, twice. Anthony Davis, uh, you know, just to name a couple of people, uh, usually they get their way. You know, they get their way out. Uh, and this is probably one of the rare instances in the NBA where, you know, a superstar didn't get his way. I mean, obviously, circumstances were different. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis had one year left on his deal. Harden, you know, same thing, player option. Um, Kevin Durant has four years left on his contract. So, I mean, obviously, I don't think I don't even think a trade was going to be possible because Brooklyn could just keep him. But I think this is just I think it's a big, big win for the Nets because they have the Nets have a good team. Like Ben Simmons is coming back healthy and whole. They just got Royce, Royce O'Neal from the Jazz. You signed TJ Warren. Kyrie Irving's coming back, even with all his antics, but you don't got to worry about the vaccine thing anymore because he's gonna play. Um, maybe his little short breaks or whatever, you know, maybe still may still be a problem. But you know, at least you know he's gonna play, you know, majority of the games this season. I think this is the make this is the make or break year for the Nets. Irving signed for one more year. This is the last year of his deal. Uh, Kevin Durant obviously he requested that trade, but he's willing to play at least this season. So we'll see what happens. But this is a make or break year in Brooklyn, and you know all that hoopla that Kevin Durant created. I mean, really, just like it really sucks that you know he did all that, put the organization through that. Uh, they were in the headlines for all the wrong reasons because of him. Uh, and you know, he better be ready to shut up and play some basketball. I mean, he needs to get his sensitive ass off of Twitter and get ready to play this year because Kevin Durant was in no position of leverage, especially after he had that terrible, 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 terrible series against the Boston Celtics where he looked like a mediocre NBA player. Uh, so he was in no position of power when he made that trade request. If he went down swinging and he was averaging 30, 40 points against the Celtics, then maybe he's traded, but. You know, the re- I think this is going to be a humbling experience for him because teams weren't clamoring at the door to get Kevin Durant this offseason. I mean, the Nets wanted the moon and the stars, and they didn't end up getting that. And Kevin Durant thought he would go for the moon and the stars and he would get his way. This is going to be a humbling experience for him because there, I think the reason that teams didn't go all in to get Kevin Durant was because in that Boston series, that was the first time in Kevin Durant's career where he showed signs of slowing down. That was the first time where Kevin Durant actually looked human in the playoffs. So... 
teams were obviously scared of that, so they weren't willing to give up their young assets, like Toronto, for example. That's one is Scotty Barnes. Raptors didn't want to give up Scotty Barnes. Uh, they from Timberwolves they wanted Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and four first round picks. No, Timberwolves said no. Um, from Phoenix they wanted at least Devin Booker. Phoenix laughed them off the phone. So I mean, like just instances like that, you know, it just shows that like the team teams weren't willing, to, you know, to go all in Kevin Durant. And I think that's partly partly because he's unreliable, and I also think it's partly because of that playoff series he looked terrible and he showed that maybe he's slowing down. I'm not saying that he is. But he definitely showed, showed signs that I can't get out of my head. So, I mean, this is a humbling experience for Kevin Durant. Uh, he better be ready to play some basketball this year. And he better be ready to lead Brooklyn to the championship because he will not hear the end of it if Brooklyn comes up short for the third year in a row. So, Kevin Durant, my message to you is be ready to hoop, man. You said you wanted to hoop. Now is your time to do it. Show the world that you're still one of the best players in the league. Or if not – we're going to be having a different conversation next summer. So. But, yeah, and then the last tidbit that I have about the NBA, uh, Sports Illustrated coming out with an interesting issue uh, over the past couple of days with LeBron and his two sons, Bronny and Bryce, on the cover. Uh, and LeBron was wearing this shirt of him on the Sports uh, Illustrated uh, Sports Illustrated cover from years ago where he was dubbed the chosen one. Uh, so the topic of this was, Obviously, it's it's well-known at this point. LeBron James wants to play with his older son, Bronny. But he also talked about the possibility of playing with his son, Bryce. He said, LeBron said if his body is still in great shape by the time Bryce is ready to come to the NBA, which I believe is 2027, 2028, one of those years. Um, then, like, I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, LeBron LeBron can do it. Um it's a, definitely a lofty goal, and but if anyone can do it, it's LeBron. Um, and I, th- I mean, how cool would that be to see LeBron James, Bronny James, and Bryce James all on the same court, all on the same team? I mean, that would that would truly be something amazing to watch. Um, but I mean, LeBron James getting ready for his age thirty eight season in Los Angeles. Uh, Lakers did get Patrick Beverly um, in a trade with the Utah Jazz, giving up Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. Patrick Beverly gives them that defender that they really, truly need. Uh, they did not have that at the point guard spot ever since they lost Alex Caruso. So Beverly gives them that doggish defender that they need. Uh, if LeBron and AD can stay healthy, the late sky's the limit for the Lakers. Uh, they improved their roster this offseason, uh, getting some young guys. You know, they got Lonnie Walker, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant. Um, if they could just trade Russell Westbrook for some assets that can help them win now, we'll see what we'll see what they do. But I think this team, I think the Lakers are going to be a little better this year. I think if they trade Russ, especially with that Indiana deal involving Heald and Miles Turner, uh, I think that's something they should do. They should give up that extra first round pick. I think they'll be a lot better with those two in the fold. So if the Lakers can do that, we can talk about them being an upper echelon. But as of right now, I still think they're a fringe playoff team, uh, especially with the addition of Beverly. Uh, he fills a need, and they didn't really have to give up that much to get him. So, great move by the Lakers. Um, low low risk, high reward move. So, we'll see how that turns out in LA. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna take the last break here, and then I'm gonna talk some fantasy football for this upcoming season. This is fresh off the bench. Welcome back to Fresh Off the Bench. Um, so my last segment here, I t- I want to talk some fantasy football. 
Um, you know, fantasy football is obviously going to be in full swing in about nine days when the Bills and the Rams kick off. And, you know, everybody's drafting right now. It is drafting season, uh, but better do it quickly. Nine days away uh, is the regular season. So I just wanted to talk about three stars and three busts that I have for the season. I'll start with the stars, and I'm going to start with A.J. Dillon. I touched on it earlier. Um, reports coming out of camp that the Packers are, are think of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in their backfield as both 1A options. And, you know, we Dillon took a huge step last year in terms of volume and touches. Uh, and I think he's going to take an even bigger step this year. I think the Packers are going to lean on the run game a lot more. Um, and I think Dylan's going to get a lot of carries. I mean, last year, from his rookie year to last year, he went from 46 carries to 187 carries last year, 803 yards, five touchdowns. He also chipped in 34 catches, which people don't really talk about as much. I know the concern is that Aaron Jones may hog all the targets and get all the passing game work. Um, I can definitely see them being equal in that department, I think, or – Jones being a little ahead because he I, I do think he is the better pass catcher. But I think A.J. Dillon will definitely get his fair share, especially considering that there is a lack of receivers in Green Bay right now. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be looking for his running backs a lot on checkdowns and wheel routes and Texas routes, things of that nature. Um, I think I think A.J. Dillon could finish as a top 20, top 20. Actually, no, I'm going to go top 20. I think he could finish as a top 20 fantasy running back. Um, I think he's great value at where he's going right now in drafts. Then thinking like eighth, ninth round is where he's going right now. Uh, I think that's great value. Um, he'll be great for running back depth, especially considering that there aren't running backs or a dime a dozen right now in fantasy football, like really good ones. And I think AJ Dillon could be a good running back, a low end running back two, high end running back three for anybody's fantasy team this year. Uh, I think he's going to get more touchdowns as well. Uh, and I, it, I wouldn't put it out. I wouldn't put it out of reach for him to have a thousand yards this year. I really do think that him and Aaron Jones could have a thousand yards this year. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, I really, I really do like me some AJ Dillon this year in Green Bay. Uh, my next fantasy star is Marquise Brown of the Arizona Cardinals. I touched on that earlier as well. Uh, the, uh, the Cardinals traded for Marquise Brown, giving up their first round pick to the Ravens to get Marquise uh, Marquise. Like I mentioned before, was college teammates with Kyler Murray, and he obviously had a lot of success with him. Uh, Marquise Brown last year in the 11 games that he played with Lamar Jackson was wide receiver 11 in all of fantasy football. He was wide receiver 11. And then obviously when Lamar went down, he went to wide receiver 67 in that span. But nonetheless, the whole Ravens offense, besides Mark Andrews, really struggled at that point in time with Tyler Huntley at quarterback as evidenced by lose their, them losing their last six games. But the stuff that Marquise was showing last year, he had 98 catches. I'm sorry, not 98. He had 91 catches, 1,008 yards, six touchdowns, averaged 11 yards a catch. Um, And this was in a run-heavy scheme. Now he's going to go to a team that loves to pass the ball. Kyler Murray loves to throw the deep ball. And with DeAndre Hopkins missing the first six weeks, I think Marquise Brown could be a wide receiver one in fantasy football for that reason. I think he's I think he's a mid to low wide receiver one right now. Um, and I'm loving his ADP. I, I I really do think that he's great value for anyone. He could be a great wide receiver too for anybody on their team, for anybody's fantasy team. Um, his ADP right now is nine is 59. So I, I really do think that's a great spot. That's like about End of fifth round, sixth round ADP. Uh, I'd be taking Mark. I could. I would consider taking Marquise in the fourth round. I'm really, really high on him. Uh, now that he's going to a pass heavy offense, especially with Diop being out those six weeks, I think he's he's he is going to be the wide receiver one in Arizona. And 
his best ability is his deep ball ability. And Kyler Murray loves to throw the ball deep. He throws a very accurate ball. He's one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL. And he already has that chemistry with Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown is really going to blow up this year. Uh, and he's he's a steal at, at, as anyone's wide receiver, too. And if you really want to go running back heavy, getting Marquise as your first wide receiver would not be a bad idea at all. Um, and yeah, I really do think he's going to blow up this year, especially after what he showed us last year with Lamar Jackson in a run-heavy scheme. Now he's going to a scheme that better fits his skill set. I think he's going to do even better this year, health permitting. Uh, my last fantasy star is T. Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals. Though T. Higgins last year, he really, really showed up, especially in the Super Bowl. He had four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, more of that, most of that yards came on that 75-yard bomb that he had to begin the second half. But down the stretch last year, T. Higgins was really, really good. He had games of 25, 31, 18, 45, and 13. Like He, he was really, really consistent for the Bengals, and the target share was really there as well. Uh, Jamar Chase had a 25% target share. T. Higgins had a 24% target share. So the target share is there for T. Higgins for those that are worried about, you know, him getting a lack of targets because of Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. But Tyler Boyd is the clear wide receiver three in this offense. Higgins, Higgins is the wide receiver 1B, in my opinion, to Jamar Chase. Um, yeah, so yes, um, his, yeah, he had a 25% target share when both him and Chase played. Uh, and his he had a twenty three percent target rate per route run. So he was get he was getting targets when he was running his routes. Joe, Joe Burrow was looking for him a lot. Uh, and this Cincinnati offense is going to be heavy in passing volume. They showed it down the stretch. Uh, and with the O line now better and improved, uh, Burrow's going to have a lot more time to chuck it deep to Chase and Higgins. And I think there's going to be enough targets for both of them. I think they're both going to end up as top twelve fantasy wide receivers. Uh. I think T. T. Higgins really showed us something at the end of last year and in the playoffs. I mean, you know, he's really going to take a step this year. Um, yeah, he had 96 receiving yards at least in eight of his final 13 games, including the playoffs. Uh, I think he's going to build on that. I think the Bengals are going to pass even more this year. Uh, and, yeah, to be sure to grab T. Higgins as a fringe wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. He, I, I think him and Marquise Brown are on a similar level for this year. I think T is I obviously I think T is better. Um, but yeah, I think T Higgins is gonna be a fantasy star this year. Um, so though that's gonna do it for my fantasy stars this year. Uh make sure to get those guys in drafts. Uh that's gonna those those guys could win you your leagues. Um so yeah, be on the lookout for them at their ADP or even even higher. I would not be afraid to reach on those guys as well. Uh but fantasy bus. Um I'm going to start with Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers is not going to really be that good this year. Uh, everybody was high on him. You know, he came back from his Achilles really, really quickly. Um, you know, and obviously that's really, really impressive. And he became, and he was the Rams RB1 when he came back. Um, but my problem is he just, he just dealt with a soft tissue injury. He just practiced today. It's been a couple of weeks since he practiced. And with the season nine days away, um and Henderson Daryl Henderson is still there as well and McVeigh loves both of them um and Akers I get that he was coming off a major injury he only averaged 2.4 yards a carry when he came back from his injury that's obviously very concerning um and his schedule is ranked 27th in the NFL so I mean he's gonna face a lot of tough defenses this year he's there's some people ranking him as high as the 12th best running back in uh for fantasy football I disagree I I think he's barely top 20 at this point. Um, and his ADP is 38. I would not be comfortable, I, let alone as my RB1. I would not even be comfortable with him as my running back two in some cases, depending on my, who my RB1 is. 
Um, I don't like him at his ADP right now. Like guys, I guys I would take over him. Um, let me just pull up a ranking list here of guys I would take over Cam Akers in in that range. Uh, I would take David Montgomery, Travis Etienne. I would even take AJ Dillon. Uh, Gibson right now, Antonio Gibson right now, even though, um, given the Brian, um, Brian Robinson news, I take Zeke Elliott, James Conner. I, I would take all of those guys over Cam Akers right now. Uh, I'm just, I'm really not a fan, you know, I mean, obviously he's, he's put his injury behind him, but just the injury concerns. I mean, he already missed two to three weeks of practice. He has a tough schedule and, you know, Daryl Henderson is still there, and McVay views both of them as starting caliber running backs. So I would not be surprised if you know they get equal touches, and that's going to put a cap on Cam Akers' fantasy value. So I do not like Cam Akers this year, and especially at his ADP. Um, my second bust is Brees Hall. Now, Brees Hall, I don't think he's going to have a bad year per se. I just think he's being overdrafted right now. He's being drafted as the running back nineteen in PPR leagues right now. Um, and some rankings have him as high as number 15. I mean, I get that he was a high draft pick. His strength of schedule is fifth. This the fifth easiest in the NFL for running backs. Um, but the thing is, apparently Michael Carter has been getting most of the snaps at running back one during Jets training camp. Uh, and Hall has been mixing in as well. But apparently Michael Carter has been operating as the running back one. So that concerns me a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be a committee there in New York. Those guys are really, really good. Michael Carter really flashed last year, especially the Bengals game. I remember he had like nine catches for 95 yards. Uh, he was really, really good. Um, I think Brees Hall can be good, but drafting him as a running back too is a little risky in my opinion. Um, I would like, like I said, for I, I would even though I'm really concerned, I would take Akers, I would take Dylan, I would take J.K. Dobbins, Elijah Mitchell, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson. I would take all those guys over. Brees Hall, and it's not it's not to say that he's a bad player or anything. It's just the this, the team that he's on and the running back that he's already competing with, and the fact that he doesn't as many running back one reps as I would like. Um, I would be I would be careful. I'd be fading Hall in drafts. I would not be drafting him as a running back two. I'd draft him as a running back three, running back four, uh, closer to running back three though. Um, but you know I think his ADP is just a little too high right now, and I would just I would just be careful of overdrafting him, but. I think he could have a nice season, but definitely not. I don't think he's going to be a top 20 back this year. Um, my last bust is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, for the reasons I laid out earlier, Marquise Brown is there now. You still have James Conner in the backfield who's going to demand targets. You have Zach Ertz. You have Andy Isabella. You have Rondale Moore. You have A.J. Green. Like, there are a lot of mouths to feed in Arizona. And by the time that D-Hop comes back from the six-week suspension, who knows if he's going to be that wide receiver one that he's been for the past two years. I mean, last year he showed some signs of slowing down. He became more touchdown dependent. I mean, I remember a game against Minnesota. He had four catches for 54 yards in like the first quarter and a touchdown in the first quarter and then just disappeared the rest of the game. Um, and especially with Kyler Murray's former college teammate now there. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to be looking D hops way as often anymore. Um, I, I really don't like D-Hop. I mean, his ADP right now is pretty good, but that's only because of the suspension. Uh, who knows what he's going to be when he comes back from his suspension. Uh, I would be careful of drafting D-Hop and expecting him to produce high wide receiver one numbers. Uh, I think he's going to be close to the wide receiver two, even wide receiver three range this year. Um, I just don't think he's going to be that locked and loaded fantasy wide receiver one that he once was. 
Uh, so I think D-Hop is going to take a step back this year. Um, and I would be careful of drafting him as your wide receiver three at this point. So just be careful of D-Hop. He might not produce the way that you think this year. But bottom line, fantasy football, always an exciting time. Uh, if you have the first overall pick, make sure to grab Jonathan Taylor. Don't overthink it. He's the best player in fantasy football. He was last year as well, in my opinion. So make sure you, if you have the first overall pick, draft Jonathan Taylor. That is my advice. Um, and obviously the three stars, three busts that I mentioned, look, I could be proven wrong, but those are the three guys that I like. And those are the three guys that I don't like, um, you know, listen to me or not. Uh, obviously <laughs> I just, I'm just giving you guys my opinion. So, um, I hope everybody has a great fantasy season. Good luck in everybody's drafts. Um, and I hope that fantasy doesn't cause you as much stress as it causes me at times. Last year was rough, but you know, hopefully we have, I'll have a better year this year. I hope everybody else has a good year as well. And that's going to do it for Fresh Off the Bench today. Um, I am your co-host, Izzy Sai. Hopefully, I'll be back with Mackison Sky soon. Um, peace, and see you guys next week.